Amen. Well, good morning. And we're going to uh, be in 1 Timothy this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'll give you just a moment to turn there. And we are glad you have joined us on this Sunday morning. Our world is in crisis mode, searching for answers, searching for security, searching for direction. And so the message this morning is a message about hope, a message of God's direction. And so let's look at 1 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 6. And let's begin with verse 12. Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Look at verse 13, he says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, he makes all things alive. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your direction in Scripture. Lord, you've, once again, we've talked about this numerous times, you've not left us here to Uh, just wander aimlessly, but you've given us clear direction, and we're going to look at that direction this morning. Now, Lord, would you bless our time? Uh, I thank you so much for uh, for the worship service. For Michael and Liz, and they're they're leading us in worship. Now, Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified through all that happens this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is the 10th Sunday that we've been in 1 Timothy. Uh, This is part 10, and by way of review, Paul had left Timothy at the church in Ephesus as he traveled up into Macedonia, spreading the gospel, uh, spreading that gospel message. Now, politically, Ephesus was a powerful, powerful city in the Roman Empire. It had became, or it had become, the capital of what is known as the province of Asia. And religiously, it was the home of the temple of the Roman fertility goddess Diana. And that that temple was a major structure and it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now Ephesus was a difficult place. It was filled with all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of sin. As a matter of fact, idolatry was rampant in Ephesus. And it was in that environment that we find the church functioning in Ephesus. And it was a difficult environment. Uh, In our study, we have talked about how the church in Ephesus was certainly affected by false doctrine, false teaching. And that, that false doctrine, those false beliefs were just clamoring to get into the church in Ephesus, much like they're clamoring to get into the church today, just itching to get in. Now remember, the name Satan means enemy, and he is your arch enemy, he is my arch enemy, and he is the arch enemy of the church, of the work of God. And so in this letter, Paul instructs Timothy 
on how to deal with the false doctrine, the false beliefs, the false teachings uh, of how to deal with uh, that work of Satan as Satan was trying to penetrate the church. And he also instructed Timothy on church leadership. And so now last week, we examined Paul's direction to Timothy on how to follow Jesus Christ more closely. And that was the first portion of chapter 6. And this morning, we're going to look at three final directions that Paul gives to Timothy. And these directions are not just for Timothy, they're for us. You see, according to 2 Timothy, now this is important, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, these words are God-breathed. This was a God-breathed letter to Timothy and uh, a God-breathed letter to us uh, for our instruction and for our help. And we need that help. And so the first direction that Paul gives Timothy this morning is to, the first direction we're going to look at, is to lay hold on eternal life. And you see that there in verse 12. And then we're going to look at uh, Paul's direction to Timothy to look at the example of Jesus Christ, to look at the witness of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus, he says, was a, he witnessed a good confession before Pontius Pilate. We'll look at that. And then the final thing we're going to look at this morning is that Paul told Timothy to declare to others that they should trust in the living God. And not in their riches, not in their things, but to trust in the living God. So now let's look at the first thing, to lay hold on eternal life. That is clear direction from Scripture to you and me. And so notice that lay hold on eternal life is in the context of a, of a, a phrase that's a powerful phrase. And we might even hear this phrase quoted sometimes. It says, fight the good fight of faith. See, it's in that context where Paul tells Timothy to lay hold of eternal life. Now, what does that mean, that fight the, uh, fight the good fight of faith? Well, let's break it down. Now, notice there's two words, fight, in there. The first word, fight, uh, it, it is a verb, and it means to enter into a contest, to contend with adversaries, to struggle, to battle. And so it's, uh, it's to battle difficulties, to battle dangers, and so you can see that is a verb, it is action. And so the second word, you see where it says fight, the good fight of faith. We'll look at the second word. The second word is the actual contest. It is the battle. It is the struggle. And so, uh, of course, that is a noun. And so we have one that is action, and then we have this, this particular uh, last word, fight, is the uh, contest itself, the battle itself. Now, what kind of fight is it? What kind of battle, what kind of struggle is it? Well, you can see the word good there, and that word good means excellent. It means praiseworthy. It means honorable. So this is the fight to be in. Now, the word faith, you can see fight the good fight of faith there in, in uh, verse 12. And that word faith is interesting. It means it's talking about a faith, it's talking about a strong belief, a strong conviction 
that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior. It's talking about a strong conviction, a strong belief that God is the Creator, that the Word of God is true, every word of it. it is, it's a strong belief about those things. But it also has another meaning. And so the word faith also means, in this context, faithfulness. It's the character of someone that can be relied upon. Someone that, that uh, God can depend on to carry out his word, to carry out uh, what, he, what he believes to be true. And so the good fight of faith is the praiseworthy, honorable battle or struggle that a person finds himself in, a Christian finds himself in, uh, concerning their strong belief in God. You see, a person that rejects the Bible does not believe that God created the world. He does not believe that God created man and woman. That's the person that rejects the Bible. You see, uh, that rejection is the flow. It is the, the current. You might say it's the jet stream of this world. That kind of belief that, that uh, God didn't create the world. But we know that he did. And so uh, an unsaved person, someone that has never received Jesus as their Savior, they do not believe Jesus Christ is the Savior. Well, see, that type of belief that Jesus is not the Savior, that type of belief is the flow of this world. It is the current, it is the stream of this world. It's what this world believes. So we're talking about a struggle or a battle against the beliefs and teachings of this world. That's what Paul is talking about. It's against the, the flow, it's against the current of this world. And so the idea here is, the context here is that a believer, now let me, let me describe a believer. A believer is someone that has received Jesus as their Savior. They have called on Jesus to be their Savior. They believe that uh, he, he came to this world and lived a sinless life and died for the sins of this world, that he is the Savior. He's the Son of God. He rose again. He lives today in heaven. That is a believer. And so the idea in this context is, that a believer, that of a believer genuinely being the example that he or she should be in every area of life, in a world that is hostile to Christians, in a world that is hostile to God, in a world that is hostile to the name of Jesus Christ. See, it's the idea for a believer to hold to the truth of God's Word no matter how tough it is, no matter how difficult it is. So this is similar to what Jude, Jude 3 says uh, when he mentions for us to earnestly contend for the faith. And the idea is that it's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be continual. It's a continual battle, but it's worth it. This is a praiseworthy fight that he has called his followers to be in. There's difficulty in this world, is there not? There is certainly difficulty in this world, and it just flat will not be easy. 
Is there suffering? Yes, there is suffering. And we may face hardships, and we may face pain, we may face struggles. As believers, we, we may face those things. But we're on the ultimate winning side. That's what the Word of God teaches. See, the Word of God describes that His followers, the followers of God, those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, ultimately will spend eternity with Him in heaven. Now, that's, that's the team I'm on. That's the team I want to be on. And I pray that you do as well. So it's in that context. And remember, when you're studying Scripture, context is everything. So it's in that context of fighting the good fight of faith, standing for the Lord. No matter what, it's in that context that Paul tells Timothy to lay hold on eternal life. In other words, Timothy, remember you are saved. No matter what you face, embrace that. Look forward to eternal life in heaven with God. That will help you as you battle the praiseworthy battle, the praiseworthy struggle, the honorable struggle that you're in. Battling, standing for truth, standing for righteousness, and standing for Jesus Christ. Now listen, Timothy was in a hard place. And he was discouraged. We've talked about that on Sunday mornings. Maybe even a little scared. We can see that when we get into 2 Timothy. He may have been a little scared. And ready to throw in the towel. Ready to quit. Throw his hands up in the air. He had been disrespected. And many other things. He had been disrespected. But God knew exactly what Timothy needed. Timothy needed these words, these words of encouragement that we're reading this morning, straight from God through Paul to Timothy. God knew exactly what Timothy needed. This is a real God-breathed letter to Timothy, and God knows exactly what you need. He knows what I need, and we must not forget that. Some people mistake God's silence for inactivity. For uh, some, some mistake God's silence for a lack of involvement. But let me assure you that God is very involved and very active in our world. That's crucial to remember. Maybe you've been tempted to think that God has even forgotten you. He's forgotten all about you. Maybe you've been tempted to think that. And you're not really important to him. Could I tell you something this morning? That's just not true. You are important to God. He's involved in your life. As a matter of fact, God is pursuing you. He wants you and me to lay hold on eternal life. Listen, it's no accident that you've joined us this morning. It's no accident. God is pursuing you. As a Christian, lay hold on eternal life. Remember that no matter what you face, no matter what struggles you're going through, you're saved. 
You've got a home in heaven waiting for you. Lay hold on eternal life. Embrace it. That's the meaning. If you're a non-believer, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, please, don't let this day pass without receiving Jesus as your Lord. Lay hold on eternal life. So that is the first direction this morning. Let's look at the next direction. Let's look at verse 13. He says, Paul tells Timothy, I give thee charge, I give you charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Now that's a key. He, he, he's drawing Timothy's attention to Jesus before Pontius Pilate, as Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. You know, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking of Jesus' example in numerous instances. You know, I thought of his example of uh, compassion. In Matthew, you might write this down, Matthew 14, 14, here's what it says. Jesus is uh, about to feed 5,000 people. Actually, more than that, but the Bible calls it 5,000 men. That's besides the women and children that were there, maybe as many as 10,000 people. And it says in Matthew 14, 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw the multitude, he saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them. Now that compassion is crucial because it's not like a compassion that I have had. This is the compassion of Jesus Christ. It's a tremendous example for us. It's a compassion that comes from the, from the stomach, from the gut. It comes deep down inside. He saw those people, it says, and he had compassion on them. That's an example for us to follow. I thought of his example of determination. Oh, there's multiple examples that we can think of on Jesus but his example of determination, when he was uh, headed up to Jerusalem from Galilee, the, here's what the Bible says. Write this one down. This is Luke 9:51. It says, "And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, that he, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly." set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was determined to get on that cross. I praise God for that. You can see that example of, of determination that needs to be in our lives as we follow God's will. That is so crucial. So now, uh, and remember as we look at that one, that there's a verse in uh, 1 Timothy. We're in 1 Timothy, of course. There's a verse in 1 Timothy. It's chapter 2. And verse 4, and you can see a little bit about the will of God there. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God's will is that all people be saved. That's what it says. That's what he wants. Now, we know from the reading of, the, of, God, of God's word that not all people are going to be saved. But that's what he wants. He wants all people to be saved. So we see the Lord setting his face to Jerusalem. He wanted to get on that cross. He wanted to save people. And so now let's look at his, uh, his confession that Paul mentions here before Pontius Pilate. It's very interesting because, see, when he gets before Pontius Pilate, the heat is on. The battle is intense. The pressure is high. You and I can't, we can imagine just a little bit about that. But I'm telling you, the pressure was on. 
And so let's look at what Jesus says. See, in Matthew, write this down as well. I'm going to give you about three more verses here. Matthew 27, 11. Matthew 27, 11. It says, and Jesus stood before the governor, that's Pilate, and the governor, Pilate, asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. In other words, yes, I am. He gave the truth when the heat was on, when the pressure was on. He said, Yes, I am. He gave the truth. Now, Pilate said, in another passage, Pilate said, Don't you know, talking to Jesus, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? I have the power to release you. And in John 19.11, Jesus answered him. John 19.11, Jesus says, Thou couldest not, he says, Pilate, you could have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. The only power, Pilate, that you have is what God has allowed you to have. See, here's the truth. God has always been in charge. And he's in charge today. He's in charge today. And Jesus was declaring right there to Pilate, you have no power except what has been given you from above. Now today, there is a widespread virus in our world. And I don't have a complete answer for all that. It has run rampant throughout our world. But make no mistake, God Almighty is in ultimate control. You think about this. All over the world, people are not meeting in churches as usual. But today, the Word of God is being proclaimed, broadcasted, via broadcasting, via live streaming, via Facebook and YouTube, perhaps like never before. See, God is in control. God Almighty is in control completely. So we must keep that in mind. Now look, I want to give you another scripture, and this is in Matthew 27, 14. Pilate says these, these words to Jesus. He, he says, do you not hear what these people are saying about you? Do you not hear what these people are witnessing about you? And look what it says in Matthew. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to me. Matthew 27, 14 says this. And he, Jesus, answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor, Pilate, marveled greatly. So when Pilate said, don't you see what these people are saying about you? Don't you see, don't you see the, the, the things they're witnessing about you? And Jesus didn't answer a word to him on that one. Jesus remained silent. So here we have it. Silence, but very much in control. So the, see, whatever struggle you're facing, here's what we need. We need Jesus' perspective. Whatever struggle, whatever battle, we need Jesus' example. So the first direction this morning is to lay hold on eternal life, to remember. You're saved. If you're a Christian, you're saved. And no matter what struggle you go through, 
you have a home in heaven. And the second direction is to remember the example of Jesus Christ. And throughout 1 Timothy, Paul emphasizes that Christians are to be the examples of believers in all areas of life. As a matter of fact, in uh, his other letters, he'll use that tool of being being an example. But here in this passage that we're looking at this morning, in, uh, toward the end of chapter 6, we see the capstone example of Jesus Christ. That's the example that we need and that we need to follow. So keep fighting the good fight of faith. Here's the direction. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep standing for Jesus, standing for truth, laying hold on eternal life and keeping the example of Jesus Christ ever before you, following the example of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 14. Look what he says. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we keep that example of Jesus Christ. We keep following that example. We keep laying hold on eternal life until the appearing of of Jesus Christ. Don't quit. Don't let this be a short-lived devotion like it is for so many, no matter what, no matter what we face. So the challenge is, is to follow his example today, tomorrow, the day after that, and the day after that, and we keep following his example day after day. Verse 14 says, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have uh, laying hold on eternal life, keeping it ever before you, embracing it, looking forward to it, and then following the examples of Jesus Christ that he has set before us. And then the third instruction this morning is all the way down to verse 17. Trust in the living God. Look what he says. Verse 17, charge them Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world. Now, I would say that would describe most of us in comparison to the rest of the world. Most of the people in our land, in comparison to the people in other lands, we we would be considered rich. He says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. See, we have a propensity. I know I do sometimes. I have this propensity to trust in myself. Maybe trust in some things. See, the direction here is don't trust in, don't trust in anything besides the living God. God knows that we have that propensity to trust in ourselves and to trust in things. I want to speak to the Christians just a moment. Example after example in Scripture is for us to trust God completely. It's so important as Christians for us to make our decisions based not on how things look, not on what's going on around us, not on how we feel, But as Christians, we need to make our decisions based on what we know to be true, what we know to be right, 
And that is the living God. To trust in the living God completely. To lay hold on eternal life and follow the example of Christ and trust in the living God. Now I want to speak to everyone. Saved and unsaved. My 12th grandchild was born a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I tell you, that's a delight. I haven't got to see, gotten to see her much at all since the day she was born uh, because she's still up in the hospital. She was born 3 pounds and 12 ounces, and she is beautiful. Little Eva, what a blessing. And when you see a little miracle baby like Eva, her little fingers... Uh, her nose, uh, her hands, her feet, her life. It's easy to know that there is a Creator God. See, that didn't just happen. That little baby, all put together like that, filled with life at three pounds, 12 ounces. See, there's a Creator God. And God wants us to know that. And life is important to him. Yes, earthly life is important to him, but oh, eternal life, that's real important to him. He wants each one of us to live with him forever. That's his will. That's what he wants. But the choice is on us. The choice is up to us. Here it is. In the beginning, the Bible says that God created the world. He created man and, and woman. And through a chain of events, sin entered into the world. Now, God already knew that was going to happen. He is all-knowing. So before He created the world, He knew sin was going to enter the world. And He allowed it to happen. He allowed sin to run rampant because, see, he wanted to give us a choice to follow him or not to follow him. But the Bible says that before the foundation of the world, in other words, before the world was created, that a plan was developed in heaven. God developed a plan that at just the right time, he would send his son as a little baby, be born, as a, uh, be born of a virgin, and he would live a sinless life, and then just at the right time, in God's timing, now Satan tried hard to stop that. Remember the enemy, he tries to stop the work of God. But just at the right time, Jesus, the Son of God, would give his life for the, all the sin of the world so that we could spend an eternity with him. Now, here's the crux of the matter. Every person will spend eternity either in heaven with God or in what's called the lake of fire apart from God. The Bible makes it clear. There is no other way to be saved, what we call salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no other name given whereby we must be saved. And so here's the question. Where will you 
spend eternity. This morning, you can be saved by calling on the name of Jesus. You can be saved right where you are by calling on the name of Jesus. He wants to save you. Oh, I pray that this would be the day when you reach out to Him. Now, if you have questions about salvation, you want to know more about being saved, or if you're going through some difficulty right now, you're going through hardship right now, you have questions about the things that are happening in the world, we want to hear from you. And Brother Johnny Tonica is going to come up in just a moment and explain to you how you can contact us. We want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. We want to help you. Now remember the, the three directions this morning are to lay hold on eternal life. If you're, you're saved, then remember you're saved. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. And then to remember the example that Jesus has set. And then to trust the living God. I pray that you would trust Him this morning with all your heart. Thank you. Brother Johnny's going to come up at this time.